Hello and welcome to episode 59 Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. This week talking about how you deal with rising construction costs. We think it'll be a great episode and we know plenty of you will want to hear about it. Bob Anderson will be sharing his tips and tricks on this one because he's been in the market for a long time. So let's jump into episode 59. Welcome to episode 59, Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxon. This week, have the amazing Bob Anderson with me talking about how do you deal with rising construction costs in the current market? Well, in general, but especially right now in the current market, we're talking um, August the 2nd, 2022. But anyway, before we get started on that, giving away a copy of... uh, the Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed. And this week, the book goes to somebody who listens to this podcast every single week, sneaky listener, and I know she's going to get a fright when she hears her name, Carol Hayes. This book is already in the post to you. I posted it last week. So yes, congrats to Carol Hayes, an amazing lady. Actually, Lady Carol Hayes she is. But anyway, Carol, I know you're going to enjoy the book and I know why you listen to the podcast and it's most impressive. So let's get started on how you deal with rising construction costs. I will add in the current market, but it is something we deal with all the time. Bob, I'll let you kick it off because this is your field of expertise. Actually, before we even hand it over to you, but um, just realise that Bob is currently, we're both developing right now, um, Bob's obviously building a retirement village that's building 99 houses, so there is some fair construction cost in there. I've got a four-pack going on, an NDIS project over in Western Australia, we'll talk about that a bit soon. But also with our mentoring students, Bob is overseeing 18 people at a time, that's how many we're working with. And, and he knows all where they're up to on each deal and as well people that come to us. So he's very much up to or all over the current market and dealing with rising construction costs and having been in the industry for almost four decades is very well versed in the ups and downs. So Bob, I can't wait to hear what you have to share for ah, our people thanks. out there. Ups and downs, okay. Yeah, yeah like um, when, I, when I think back over the, over the many years, I mean, there's times when we've actually gone for years and not had rising construction costs. They've just been pretty static and pretty flat, really. Uh, and then, then we have times of, of spikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't developing in the 1970s, but there were some big construction spikes you know, during that decade. And, and over a period of time, the GFC, leading up to the GFC, mm-hmm. uh, bill costs froze a fair bit, and then they pretty much flattened out. And, and uh, in fact... I recall in Brisbane where I was developing at the time, it took till about 2013 for construction costs to reach what they were in 2008, just leading into the GFC. So, so you're saying they did drop back? Oh, they can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They tend to go up more than they drop back, obviously, over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, as a, just as a little example, uh, back in the, uh, well, it would have been about probably mm, 1990, uh, I was with a company and we were building literally hundreds and hundreds of townhouses and we were building two-storey, three-bedroom townhouses uh, for, for about uh, $50,000. <laughs> so, yeah, bill costs have gone up a lot, that's yeah, for sure. totally. Yeah, but, 50 to what, 350 or whatever? Oh, yeah. So, but I've never seen such a rapid rise as the one we've had uh, post-COVID in, in such a short amount of time. Mm. You know, we've seen uh, rises of, you know, 20, 25, up to 30%. 
I think your project in, in Perth, Perth's had some massive rises. Well, yeah. Uh, a lot of those are labour shortage driven as well, not just material supply chain, but with mining picking up, uh, a lot of the trades leave town and head to the mines. And, and then so uh, there's a shortage of trades in places like Western Australia don't have that population base that some of the East Coast uh, capitals have and, and working very heavily off mining, being the big industry over there, they can lose a lot of trades, electricians and those sorts of people pretty quickly. So, yeah, interesting interesting times. It has been for a while. And it's just a job uh, just to know what something costs to build at the moment mm. because it is, a, it is a moving target. A lot of 2021 where there was quite substantial build cost increases, it was offset by a lot of, uh, you know, in value increases. Properties went up a lot in value. In fact, they went up so rapidly they outstripped uh, the, you know, construction cost increases. Uh, but then, you know, as the, as the market cooled, as it has now, uh, and we're not having increases in, in values, in fact, in some places, values are pegging back a bit, but bill costs haven't. Mm. And so they've taken over as the as the boogie the boogeyman in property development bill costs. And mm. so, what do you do? What do you do to control it? Can you control it? Mm. Uh, how do you how do you develop in a in a market where bill costs are continuing to rise, albeit at a slower mm. rate than they did last year, but they're still they're still moving upwards. I suppose that's also a bit of a warning for people who are getting into property development, people that are looking for somebody to follow for education. or And there are a lot of new people, you know, jumping up as we're educators now. You have to remember that anyone who has made money, you know, in the past year or so would have made money even if they made huge mistakes. So just be a little bit aware because, you know, there will be people caught, shall we say, with their pants down. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That yeah. jumped in. And, yeah. and we're hearing about it already, actually. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So I'll get on to talking about building contracts in a little bit and the different types and building contracts now. A lot of them, are, you know, builders want rise and fall clauses in there to offset the possibility, well, not just the possibility, the fact that things are going up. So I'll cover that because that's important contracts. Yep. That's a, But, I mean, this just, just as a bit of a tip, when building prices are fairly static mm -hmm. you can set your sale prices pretty early and so the issue is this let's just say that you've got finance for a project I'll, I'll just hypothetically say four townhouses just to you know choose a particular type of project now if you're getting finance from a bank and we know that banks aren't easy to deal with at the moment if you're getting finance from a bank the bank might say oh we need a pre-sale we need two pre-sales whatever they might say and the issue is that we normally talk to a bank when we've got a development permit, and let's say we get, the bank says, yes, we'll lend you the money, we need a couple of pre-sales. So, you, so you, you head out there, you set your sales price, and it has to be at what, what the market will accept at that time, and you get a couple of pre-sales. Now, the problem is that the timing between getting those pre-sales signed mm. and actually even entering into a building contract is several months. Uh, it could be five months on average probably. By the time you end up then going on and getting your building permit uh, and then you know, tendering for a builder, getting a builder, selecting a builder, contracting a builder, typically that would be five months. So what you've done, you've set your sale prices five months before you actually know your exact build cost. Certainly at the development permit stage, you can get an indication of build cost, but you can't get an exact build cost because you don't have any engineering, you don't have your building permit. 
And so that's the issue. If you sell too early, uh, I mean, it, it could be a good thing if, if, I guess, if prices were going down. But you, you, the problem is you're selling when you don't know what your bill price is. Mm. Uh, people that use alternative funding where you don't need pre-sales, things like you know, non-banks, and work their way through to a building permit, and then they get a, an exact locked-up construction price, even though it might only you know, hold for 30 days. At least then you can get to the market if you want to pre-sell, and if you don't, you don't have to, because generally with non-banks, you don't have to pre-sell. You can sell at the back end of construction or part of the way through construction, and then you know what it's costing. When is the best time at the end to of the day, pre-sell, Paul? Well, uh, sorry, at the end of the day, you, you can only sell it what the market will wear anyway. Yeah, exactly. When's the best time to pre-sell? Yeah, like when, like I, in, I in your experience. I don't like it. You don't like it? No. Um, well, it's a bank it's, thing, generally. Well, banks do it because it's a risk mitigation factor, mm-hmm. you know, if they can get pre-sales. And look, it is. If, I mean, if you're pretty nervous, it, you can use it as a form of risk mitigation. Uh, I've always preferred and done better uh, selling during construction or even post-construction if you can afford to hold a stock and finish, particularly mm-hmm. if you're building for owner-occupiers, less so investors. But if you're building for owner-occupiers, they like to see the finished product. You always say this, they like to touch it. Well, they do. And we've seen <laughs> that around where we live at the moment. Um, when things have tightened up a little bit, our pre-sales have gone off the boil. People just want to see the finished product. Mm. But anyway, that's um, that's just a tip. Don't don't set your pricing too early. Uh, before you know your bill costs, that can get, get you in a little bit of trouble. But the thing is at the moment, okay, so we go to the market, we might tender... You might talk to three builders, let's say we get some pricing. And uh, then we're ending into a building contract. Well, a lot of building contracts, a lot of builders these days want some sort of, well, their risk mitigation is really to have a rise and fall clause in the contract. And so what that is, it, it enables the price to increase if bill costs increase. And it allows it to fall by the sound of it too. Well, it is called a rise and fall. <laughs> yeah, do they even you know, do they ever do the fall? You very rarely see a fall. No. Have you ever seen one? Yeah. Uh, well, I've pushed on one. Okay. Okay. There's another but, tip. You but can then, push on. But one. then on, on a, a small project that doesn't take all that long, not so much. Mm. You know, if it's a larger project that can go over a couple of years, different thing. But um, <clears throat> I mean, if we look at the typical type of building contracts, cost plus, like the financiers don't generally like that. That's where you, the builder will charge you cost price and have a margin on the top. The point is you, you probably don't know, won't know cost price until after it's happened. That needs to be very much open book. So we don't, generally don't do those. Banks don't like them. Guaranteed maximum price. Um, some banks will wear those where the builder sets an absolute guaranteed price that the build construction won't go past. And then anything that comes in under that, you can share. I've done those. Uh, but the ones the financiers really like is lump sum fixed price and time. So lump sum fixed price, so it's lump sum, it's a particular dollar value, it's fixed and supposedly that it won't move and time's involved. Mm. It's not just about the dollar value of a contract, it's how long it's going to take. And that's the that's one of the big issues at the moment. Yeah, why is it they taking ta- so long, Bob? Well, it's supply chain issues, it's getting materials, it's getting labour um, and yeah, it, it's just stretched out. Builders also stretched out their construction times during the, very much after the, uh, you know, the, the grant, the government grant, there was such a big push on building that they were grabbing contracts from everywhere that they knew they couldn't suddenly start building. And so they, they've spread them out. Like there's plenty of building contracts, 12 months building contract to build a house. Seriously. 
Uh, because, and it's not that they... As in the starting of that construction? Well, no. It's it's a 12-month contract. So in other words, you sign a 12-month contract and you'll get your house by the end of the 12 months. And they start on month 11. Well, they might. <laughs> <laughs> just push it out in a month. Yeah. And, and so we saw that with builders just grabbing more contracts than they knew they could handle immediately. And uh, so some, sometimes they had a 12-month contract and they didn't even start the job for six months. You mm. know. That's That's gone back a bit. That's not happening so much now because all, all that, the grant and the sort of flow over from the grant's pretty much gone. But, I mean, the, there's a lot of pressure on bill costs. We had COVID-19, obviously. And and, flooding and, and the fires, they wouldn't have helped? Flooding, absolutely, yeah. We've had flooding in different states, and there's, so there's a lot of repairs, a lot of rebuilding going on. Are they more car- carpenters or still well, or both? Well, more more trades. Yeah. Uh, obviously, carpenters, painters, electricians, you know, all sorts of people. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but, but generally, that's insurance work. Right. And, and they can charge a higher rate, and they do. Right, so they jump on that pretty quick. Well, that, what can happen is you can have a particular trade who wants to do it, – it's a bit messy work and it's lots of little jobs, but they can charge a lot more than they would charge a builder to do a job on a new build. And so that's knocked out a number of tradies. Mm. It's starting to get better. A lot of that uh, rebuilding's happened, but that put a lot of pressure on, on trades as well. I think we need some kids in the construction. Why don't we have any children between us in the construction industry? I think it's a good idea. John O'Hayes, I think there's a More job trades. for you. We'll get, get lucky. We've got a few kids we need to get out there on it. Mm. So we had, the, you know, the, after COVID, the, the big boom caused by, mm. well, it's man-made boom. Uh, what but, about the war? That would have made it, had a bit of an impact. Well, it, to a degree, because, you know, quite a bit of building uh, supplies do come out of Russia. Uh as well, so that's had a bit of an effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cost of and, and China closing down, I mean, they closed down a lot of factories, and also the cost of uh, shipping. I've heard that uh, the cost of shipping containers has gone up three hundred percent. Really, during that period. So, well, if it's anything and, and like so flights, much, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah, and so much comes over by so, so with a, you know, a lot less uh, manufacturing in China and triple the cost of sending it here. Right. Uh, timber. I mean, Australia supplies eighty percent of its own timber, but but there's been such a push on, you know, you can't suddenly create a forest. Uh, and it's a worldwide <laughs> building boom. Yeah. It's not just in Australia. We tend to be a bit enclosed here and think, oh, yeah, it's a building boom, but it's it's everywhere. Right. And uh, I did hear that the cost of timber in the United States at one point, probably 18 months ago, went up 400%. Wow. So, you know, between the floods, the, the surging construction going on everywhere, the home builder grant, which, you know, really kicked things on, and, and look, uh, low interest rates. You know, mm. they're picking up now, but we had like literally ridiculously low interest rates uh, for so long. And a lot money of money was almost free. I used to say, money's free. Go and get as much as you can. <laughs> My father always says that. We used to say that. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't own the bank money, you're not going mm. forward in life. No. So all those things pushed it up. And look, we still have su- supply train issues, and I, I don't see that. It, it is slowly improving, but I don't see it getting back to normal if, if it ever does. For you know. For one to two years. So how do we deal with this, Bob? Like moving forward for budding developers and even the experienced developers mm. who are listening, Like, what, what's your suggestion on how people deal with the rising construction costs? Well, first of all, you've got to keep up to pace with what costs are. Mm. So if you're, let's say you're intending to build some townhouses in a particular area, you need to be talking to builders who are building that area. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, like talking to builders monthly to see where, where their prices are moving and how they're going, so that when you do your feasibilities, you know what the, what the bill costs are. 
So you need to keep up with current ones. I, I don't recommend uh, looking at uh, quantity surveyors' websites and those sorts of things. They're terribly inaccurate. Um, you know who does do that well? And she listens to this, Tanya, one of our elementary mm. students. She she, can, she speaks with her builder on a regular yeah, basis. She's all more, over it. And that's her favourite builder, but she talks to other builders as well. Yeah, that's a smart move. Not hassling them, just stays in mm. touch. Mm. What's happening? What's likely to be going up? You know, what's gone up in the last month? Those sorts of things. And so, so that, that'll give you, you know, a reasonable handle on bill costs. But it also builds that relationship, Bob. Mm. And relationships are important in whatever business you're in. People do business with people. We know, like, and trust someone. We're more likely to, you know, care about their outcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're big on that. And so the first thing is to understand what bill costs are mm -hmm. currently and to keep a track of it because it is moving and it's moving up. But not as fast as last year, but it's moving up. So having, having got a handle on it, and you get to the point, okay, I've got a deal now. Uh, I'm tendering for a builder. Uh, the prices have come in. I've made a decision on the builder that I want. Now we've got to the building contract, and that can be the fun part. So we know that financiers love lump sum, fixed price and time, uh, and that's what you should be pushing for. So Lump sum, fixed price and time. Contracts. That's you what go. you want. A set time, you know, whatever it is, 28, 32 weeks, 38 weeks. And time is long now. Mm. You know, we've got, we're talking to builders who want, you know, nine to 12 months to do a duplex. Yet four years ago, I was building five-storey buildings in nine months. So, you know, times have changed. So, yeah, look, it's it's stretched. It's stretched out. But the dollar value, the lump sum, yeah. So, I mean, rule number one is try and get a lump sum fixed price contract. Then you won't have to deal with cost increases on the way through. Unless you've got, you know, other avenues where the builder can put them up, like prime cost items, provisional sum items, try and minimise them, get them back to, you can get them back to none if you like. Just an example of prime cost items for people who don't know? Oh, well, prime cost items are where you don't specify a particular item and you just put a dollar value in there. For instance, you might have underbench oven, $800, uh, something else. What you don't want in prime cost items is things that are, are hard to price, like earthworks. I don't want a PC on Earthworks. Give me a, you know, Mr. Builder, there's all the plans. There's the civil plans. Get your earth mover to quote it and make that part of your price. Mm. Kitchens, $12,000. Well, I don't even know it. I don't do renos or do kitchens. I don't know what you buy for $12,000. There's the kitchen plan. Just put it in the price. So things that are very difficult to price, you don't have as PCs or PSs. But if you do, if you haven't chosen a particular model of underbench oven, at least choose a dollar value. You know you can buy a good one. And you just said PCs and PSs. For those who don't know what that means, just... The prime cost items, that's what I just talked about. Yeah. A PS is, is simply a prime cost item with a labour component to install it or whatever. But you, you can do contracts with zero. So what I'm saying, really... Detail spec uh, your project so you don't have to have PSs or PCs. Get mm. them out of there, and, and ideally have a lump sum fixed price contract. But what happens if they resist are, that? Well, if they resist it and they refuse, um, if you've got one builder that will, one that won't, maybe you're better off going to the builder that will give you a lump sum fixed price contract, even though it's a little bit more expensive. But look, if you can't, and a lot of builders, the builders are being pushed uh, by by the building organisations, by the HIA, by the master builders as well to use rise and fall clauses. Sometimes it's called escalation clauses. So look, if they insist on one, there's things you can do to sort of control it a bit. And uh, I mean, 
Rule number one, resist. Rule number two, <laughs> capitulate, but, but, but only in stages. Great so. tips. Rule number one. Well, look, resist. if they're going to have a rise and fall clause, what about getting a cap in there? What about saying, well, look, yes, I'll allow a rise and fall clause, but the rise can't be more than X percent of the con- contract price. But, I don't know, pick a figure, 3%, 3%, 4%. And so, yes, they can go up to that 3 or 4%, but if it goes above that, they wear it. So that's putting a cap on it. Are they usually quite receptive to that, Bob? Oh, it's all by negotiation. Right. Uh, I mean, th- there's other methods. I mean, we can, we can talk about other things. I mean, you can you could even limit, uh, limit it to materials. You'd say, okay, well, I'll allow a certain escalation up to a certain percentage on materials, but not on labour, or on labour and not on materials. Or if it is on materials and labour, then you can cap a lot of variables there. You can cap materials to a certain percent. You can cap labour to a certain percent. You can cap overall to a certain percent. And what point do they tell you? Like, how do you find out? How does that even work? Well, it's important uh, to have a a clause in your contract that if there is a rise of any sort, even a variation for that matter, which is fairly common, uh, that they notify you within 24, 48 hours and don't hold them till the end and give you, hit you with it at the end. So that's really important. And what do you do if they don't do that, Bob? Uh, well, if you re- if you do a clause that says they have to notify you within a certain amount of time, otherwise uh, they can't claim it. And so if what? they don't, then they can't claim it. Okay. Um, it's what, obviously, when you, when you start filling around with a billing contract, you need to get an expert on your side. And that's, that's a lawyer. It's a, well, a construction lawyer, ideally, somebody, there are lawyers who specialise in construction and construction contracts and that sort of thing. For the bit of cost, it's definitely worth it. It could save you a lot of heartache and even a lot of money uh, later. So, you know, if it's anything out of the ordinary with things like rise and fall clauses or special conditions and like the things I'm talking about, you need to you need to get a, uh, a lawyer involved. But um, I'm just thinking... Um, it's not one of those, it's like property development's not one of those games you want to scrimp on. It's not like when sometimes when you do a renovation mm. it's, and you're just trying to do things a little bit cheaper or something when you're first starting out. You really need to invest in things like the quality of a good lawyer, the quality of, of good mm. people surrounding you is so vital, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Particularly mm. on the education front. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Propertymastermind.com.au. I just say that. Hey, actually, just while we're on that, Bob, mm. we should let everyone know we've got our three-day workshop in November, I think it's 1911 or 11 12. Mm. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday in November anyway. If anyone is willing to go to that, it's going to be in the Gold Coast uh, for anyone Australia-wide. Just mm. let us know. It's a three-day workshop masquerading as a very good time. I was going to say a party, but like there will be three days. It's going education. to be a little bit different to usual. Yes. We're speaking gonna, it up this year. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting. Fun on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, back to this. And, and you could even like have a clause in there where it demands comparable quotes. So they might say, oh, look, um, roof trusses have gone up. And, uh, you know, it could be a clause in there that demands that you get prices from two other roof trust companies. That to, to it would compare. be the, 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 they have to show you or yeah, no, you go and get them book. yourself? No, no, they have to do it. It has okay. to be open book. Okay. I mean, these are clauses that you can negotiate. These right. are just ways of trying to get some sort of control yeah. over a rise and fall clause yeah. rather than just let it go willy-nilly. In any event, uh, they they have to, to prove it, but then, you know, it's a bit... 
it's a bit wishy-washy. And if it's been proven, it is it like, is it up to the person, not the, you know, not the builder, mm. is it up to you to wear the cost or can it be a, sh- a share of the... Oh, good point. Well, yeah, you can do it. And that's, that's another variation that you can negotiate. It could be that your share cost rises 50-50. That is a beat up the build price. Oh, oh whatever number you choose, yeah. I did mention before about a type of contract called a guaranteed maximum price where the builder agrees it won't go beyond a certain dollar value, but every dollar that it comes in under that you can share. Right. Uh, this so is, a win-win this, both ways. Yeah, well. th- this, is sem- this is not this sort of contract we're talking about. It's still lump sum contract what we're talking about, but it could be that they that they have to share the cost increases as well and, and have to prove them. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to just accept a rise and fall clause on face value 100% mm. against you and 100% in favour of the builder. There's various things that we just discussed then, you know, capping it, sharing it, uh, specifying certain materials or labour and all these sorts of things that you can do to to control it. That's what you want to do. The last thing you want is is to have a builder go broke. Oh, absolutely. Um, it needs to be win-win for everybody. I mean, you know... Yeah, you'll, you'll lose a lot more when that happens and you will arguing about the cost of... And air, you know, air conditioning. And I think that's the biggest tip uh, to take away from here. You will lose more if your builder goes broke. It's best you work together and, and all have success rather than no win, no loss. Hey. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, construction costs are a big, they're, they're the biggest of your costs in most cases. Is, you know, if a typical townhouse development in a capital city, the build cost and the land cost is about 80% of all your costs. Every other cost, all the other things, uh, you know, your finance and consultants fees and council fees and GST and marketing, all those other things only ever add up, all of them, to about 20%. So bill costs are significant. And, you know, on a mid-range townhouse project, they're probably 40%, 45% of all your costs. And what about the, the like the contingency? Like I know you've always yeah. built in a contingency into your feasibilities, would that would that sort of soften the blow of any sort of rising construction market at all? Well, yeah, it, it can, but usually that favours the financier. So just to explain contingencies for those that don't understand, when you're borrowing money from a financial institution for construction purposes, they always allow what they call a contingency amount. It's typically 5% of your construction price. That's allocated and it's put to one side. It's only to be used in certain circumstances, like cost overruns and the like. And uh, and sometimes, well, more often than not, you'll use some of it. You usually won't use all of it if it's a lump sum fixed price and time contract. Uh, now, what some financiers are, are looking at doing and, and some are even doing is increasing that contingency amount to 10% because of the you know higher likelihood of cost overruns in the current market. Uh, less so if it's lump sum, fixed price and time, they probably still stick on five, but some of them are going to 10 uh, when there's an escalation clause. So that they know there's a buffer that's put aside and held uh, for those cost increases. Now that has an effect on the developer in a negative way because the construction contingency is part of your costs and therefore it's part of the loan. So the higher it is, the more it eats into your loan funds. Right. And so, I mean, perfectly would be no contingency because then you can borrow X dollars. But if, if it's 5%, it's sort of like X minus 5%. If it's 10%, it's X, your maximum borrowings minus 10% of the construction cost, you know. So 
So, but it is one way of mitigating as far as the banks go. I mean, financiers like to be safe and we argue against them all the time because mm. we think they want too much and they want to be too safe. But then it can benefit us as well. Like their, their drive for safety actually helps us because if there was, if there was no safeguards, it'd be, be the Wild West. Mm. People would be getting into trouble all over the place, you know. Mm. If financiers just willy-nilly lent 100% of all your costs and didn't take contingencies and Hold didn't nolly. get valuations Hold on, everyone. and didn't bother with quantity oh, surveyors reports, crikey. God knows where we'd be. Oh, my goodness, I'd feel sorry for all the investors. <laughs> yeah, so, so I guess what are we saying? We're saying um, get on top of bill costs, regularly keep in contact with builders and know what they are at any one time so you can do your feasibility. Even properly. you, something you haven't mentioned, I know you redo your feasibilities every three months. Oh, yeah, we do. And, and we review our pricing on larger projects every three months, like yeah. the retirement village we're doing, for instance. Uh, we, we review pricing every every three months on, on the construction front and we revise our sale prices every three months. And uh, because we can, uh, it's a different sort of product. It's not driven by market forces. Mm. Uh, that product can, can wear some price increases. So we can maintain our profit margin in that, uh, which you can't always do in small resi projects. No. It's a large project. Mm. It's a $50 million project. But... Um, yeah, we do review because we don't want our profit margin squeezed. And it's a long project. Mm. If anyone's interested in learning more about that uh, project, we do have investment opportunities available for that with First Mortgage Security. So you can email from the, the link below if you'd like to find out more. Great for self-managed super funds that anyone yeah, out there it's listening. Great. Yeah, come and, come and do a project. Yeah, we're on. We're on uh, yes, exactly. Do it. And Bob teaches how he does it. So he does it earn and learn. You actually get uh, a return on your on your investment, and we hold every sort of six weeks or so a a, a learning session on how to do it. Mm. So if that's something that interests you, that's, feel that, free that, to reach out. That, that's different. We're, I'm actually paying people <laughs> for the pleasure of teaching them. Well, yeah, I know. What about that? <laughs> There's a turnaround for the books. So Bob, I think we've we've covered it off pretty mm. well. Yeah. Um, Stay in touch with builders. No build costs. Regularly update. Go for a lump sum fixed price and time contract. If you can't, consider some of those mitigation measures that we discussed mm. and negotiate that with the builder to at least get some control on it. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Very insightful, Bob. Uh, I think a great episode, and I know that it's going to be a popular one because oh, it's yeah. something that's coming up a lot. It is the big lot. subject out there. That and interest rates are the big two hot subjects. We have a live Q&A every two weeks, and it's the same question. <laughs> Those come up every time. Bob, Bob what do you think? Mm. So, uh, And I think you're the right person to ask with all of your experience. So I yeah. uh, thank you yet again. You're welcome. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.